Hello and welcome to the Bristol to Beijing podcast. I'm Luke Grenfellshaw and I'm cycling from Bristol to Beijing on my tandem Chris. I left Bristol in January 2020 and it's fair to say it hasn't been straightforward so far. As I continue my expedition, I want to share the journey with you. And each episode, I'll be sharing my thoughts and experiences from the past week on the road. And occasionally, I'll also be chatting with someone who can shed some light on the country I'm in as I try and understand the world a little better. So, without further ado, what's happened this past week? So Luke, have you managed to get back on the bike this week? Hey, I have still not managed to make any further distance on Chris so far in Georgia. What have you spent your time doing instead? So whilst Chris had an extended break and bout of R&R here in Tbilisi, I've been exploring the region of Kacheti, in, which is sort of the northern part of Georgia, quite close to the, the Caucasus Mountains, okay. and visited one very, very special valley and also visited a couple of very interesting projects. So I'm very excited to sort of talk all about that first. But it wasn't quite as straightforward as I mm-hmm. thought it would be. We started driving towards the Pankisi Valley, mm. which we can delve into in a second. And as I was leaving Tbilisi, I overtook some car. I think it was a pretty standard overtake. And then about a minute later, this police car comes up behind me, flashes its lights. I was like, head over, mate. Did you get pulled over by Georgian police? I did. Oh, no. Yeah. And I was like, oh, what happened? I thought I'd been speeding, but apparently I'd gone over the white line, the sort of central reservation and broken some law. And I had no idea that happened. So they stopped me by the side of the road and they said, you know, I need to see your driving license. And this is very bad. And in the end, they just said, we're going to give a fine. And I thought I was going to have to pay there and then. And they're like, no, here's a bill. Here's a receipt. Mm -hmm. And they gave me a bill that you pay in any bank. So you don't actually pay the police. And I actually think this is really interesting because it is a way that corruption has been minimized in Georgia. And this is one of the reforms that Saakashvili, who was a big modernizer from 2003 to 2008, the very Western leaning president who put Georgia on its present path. It was, I think, a direct legacy of that, that he stamped out a lot of corruption in the police. So I just thought it was very interesting that I had to pay my £12 fine to a bank and I had 10 points deducted out of my 100. So I've got another 90 points to use up before I leave Georgia. Here's hoping you don't use them all up. And I guess it makes sense, really, rather than giving it directly to the policeman and him then pocketing the fine. Well, that's it. And I thought it was really fascinating that I was there thinking, right, I'm going to have to pay some money right here. And actually, it doesn't even go through the hands of the police. I I think that's a a really good way of doing things. Where were you on your way to when you got your fine and pulled over? Right. So I was heading to the Pankisi Valley. In the past, it's had a pretty bad reputation amongst Georgians. And one of the things that I found out about the history, and we talked to this wonderful lady called Nazi, and I'm really excited to share this conversation with Nazi later with everyone, was that it seems like a pretty unfair and fairly harsh reputation on the Pankisi Valley. So the Pankisi Valley is populated by Chechens, who are sort of mm. different ethnically and uh, have a different language from the Georgians. And a lot of them came over during the Chechen war between Russia and the Chechen province. And there's just seemed to be a lot of fear and mistrust and stories about terrorism and IS fighters being there. And 
Mm. I will let Nazi do the talking later, but I would like to say that I had such a warm and uh, amazing time there. It's a beautiful, beautiful valley. And primary reason we went to the Pankisti Valley was we visited a project called the Roddy Scott Foundation. Mm -hmm. And this is named after a British journalist who was reporting in Chechnya and was killed. Mm-hmm. And his name was Roddy Scott. And his parents set up this foundation in the Pankisi Valley to deliver English classes to the Chechen inhabitants. And it has about 240 students in these very basic classrooms. And they've just got a blackboard and the kids have textbooks. But what's amazing is that they have the highest exam marks of any region in the country. Wow. Okay. What's the rationale behind that? Well, so I think it's there are some really passionate teachers. Hmm. Um, and, and we met Eka, we met Asmati, uh, we met Leah. And you know, teachers who really put a lot of time and energy and really care about their students. But then also there's a pretty high work ethic amongst the majority of students. This is a very contentious place in a lot of ways. But one of the things I was told was that often the people from the Pankisi Valley are often discriminated against when it comes to university and higher education. And one of the ways to counteract that is to do really well in the English test. And that's Mm -hmm. a way of just saying gets you into universities and there isn't discrimination on on that mark. So it's seen as in some ways like a, a real opportunity to get into higher education more prestigious perhaps careers but what I found fascinating talking to these kids often in rural communities kids just want to get out they just want to go to the big city yeah but almost without exception they said we might want to spend a a year or two in Germany or in America but we want to come back to the valley and that is a big change from about 10 years ago when lots and lots of people were just leaving so the depopulation of previous decades is being reversed I think time will tell, but it seems like a really positive trend. And over the last 20 years, the population of the Pankisi Valley has halved to about 5,600 people. So big, big decrease. Mm -hmm. But it's because of Nazi, who we're going to hear from later, and a a few other really committed women, that there are now opportunities in tourism, guest houses, uh, horse riding, mountain biking. And so I think it's beginning to see there are a lot more opportunities in the Pankisi Valley. But it did seem idyllic to me, just as mm. a place where you've got mountains on either side, you've got this beautiful river that sort of trickles down. It just seems like the perfect place to camp and have a fire. Unfortunately, we didn't have a chance to do that. So were you staying in guest houses when you went to visit? Yeah, we stayed in Nazi's guest house and would highly recommend anyone listening to this to go to the Pankisi Valley, go and meet Nazi and just talk to her yourself and see with your own eyes some of the amazing opportunities and diversity that Georgia holds. Okay well I look forward to hearing what she has to say later. What else did you get up to over the last week? One of the other things that happened is a guy called Nika sent us a message through social media and I thought I'd had a packed out week and I didn't have time for anything but one of the things I have learned and I'm still learning very slowly is that when people get in contact and they're very motivated and they're quite serious usually there's something actually really great there so even if I feel quite busy or I'm like oh I don't think I've got time actually when someone really reaches out and says like look it'd be really great if you came make time it's interesting because sometimes there are projects I think would be good to visit but if there isn't sort of mutual interest 
then often it feels like the opportunity doesn't come to fruition. And so despite me getting back quite late to Nika, he put up an event on Facebook. And the next morning I went to Kvareli, which is a town in the Kaheti region of mm -hmm. Georgia. The Georgians call it their birthplace of wine. Sounds good. Yeah. And we tried some wine. It is very good. But Nika invited us to Euro Club Kvareli, which he founded. And it's a forum. It's a club. It's a discussion group all about promoting European values. And by that, Nika means democracy, media literacy, freedom of speech. And he invited me to do a talk about the ride there. And mm -hmm. for me, it's always one of the most rewarding things. And it's an absolute privilege to be able to share my story and then see the engagement that comes from that and hear the different ideas of what students might want to do with their own lives. And that's that's really, really fantastic. Okay. So were there any particular questions that you were asked that were surprising or interesting? So I thought there was some a really good line of questions that I haven't often been asked in the United Kingdom and perhaps because the context is quite different. And it goes something along the lines of, Luke, this is great for you to cycle from Bristol to Beijing, but what can I do? You know, I'm from Georgia. Mm -hmm. I don't have the same financial resources. I'm still only 15, 16. My parents are in charge. Yeah. You're saying, well, you're cycling to Beijing. Like, how does that even apply to me? How is that even relevant? And I think that is such a valid critique of what I say. Mm -hmm. But I think my answer to that is always thinking there are some things that we can't control. We can't control what country we're from. We can't control what age we are and the rights that we have under law, I suppose. Mm. But for me, the ethos is always about, okay, recognizing the, the situation that you're in and then doing the maximum that you can in that situation. One of the students said she loves cycling and loves traveling. Cycling to Beijing is probably going to be really difficult at this point, but maybe doing a small cycle ride just to the next village or mm -hmm. to Tbilisi and back. To me, that's the sort of mentality of you know, what can you do and what is within your circle of influence and what can you control and then focus on those things. And I think that's relevant in any context, but I'm also very aware that coming from the United Kingdom with a whole host of opportunities and support, it can probably feel almost insensitive how much I take for granted. Mm. I suppose that's something that you're learning as you go along on this ride even more. Yeah, I think so. Something you probably knew beforehand, but it's becoming even more obvious when you actually see it in action. And it's really forcing me to engage with the message that I'm saying and like, is it, is it valid? Is it relevant? Mm. Is it only relevant to someone who's grown up with a whole load of opportunities? And I'd like to think that there's something in the attitude of trying to create your own opportunities that is relevant to everyone, no matter. So before we hear from Nazi, I've got one question for you. And this is a very quick question for you to answer. And it is one that I do know the answer to, but it's one that's been asked pretty much every week. People want to know, where can you get the wonderful pink and blue Bristol Beijing cycling kit? Ah, oh, okay. The B2B kit. Ever since I got into triathlon, I always wanted to have my own personalized kit. You know, one of like the race teams in your world tour cycling or, you know, some snazzy Ironman pro triathletes. I always wanted my own kit. And I am super stoked to be wearing the Bristol to Beijing kit with pink and blue. It was 
a, a team effort to design it. Kate, you were absolutely fantastic and instrumental in making it happen. And I have to say that the poor color choices are totally my cool. So if you're wondering why, it's because I have a slightly off color palette. Anyway, so we partnered with Saddle Drunk, which is a wonderful Italian company, and Stefano, who has been very supportive of the ride. If you want to buy the kits, and I would highly recommend it, there are cycling tops, long sleeve, short sleeve. There are running tops, which I absolutely love, and I tend to wear them now for all my official engagements. Mm -hmm. I just wear a running t-shirt. It's great. Excellent. You can buy them on the Saddle Drunk website. We're going to be putting links on social media, on the description show notes. And then you can also find the link to the kit through the Bristol to Beijing website. It's also worth saying that £10 from every item goes to the five charities that Bristol to Beijing are supporting. That's Trekstock, 5K Your Way, the Teenage Cancer Trust and click sergeant and then the fifth charity depends leg on leg and we're currently supporting child aid eastern europe and i visited mm -hmm. their projects in moldova and ukraine so it's also a way of supporting these charities so if you want to look cool or at least distinctive out on your cycle or your run then hit up the saddle drunk website but it would be great to paint the town pink and blue and the other thing is that we are going to be giving away some bristol to beijing kit on social media so follow us on Instagram and watch this space. Yes, we are. This is your chance to get a Bristol to Beijing top of your very own for free. Exactly. Incredible. So let's listen now to your chat with Nazi. Nazi is an incredibly special person. She's softly spoken, but she has an energy and intensity, which I think are incredible. So I'm now in the Pankeezy Valley and I'm really excited because in front of me at the table in Nazi's guest house is Nazi herself. Since I heard your story, Nazi, I really wanted to be able to share it with everyone who listens to the Bristol to Beijing podcast. And I feel kind of the first question I want to ask is, Nazi, you're from the Pankeezy Valley, you trained as a lawyer in Tbilisi and you've decided to come back the Pankeezy Valley in 2012 and set up a guest house. Why did you do that? Um, thank you very much uh, for this opportunity. Uh, I was at the age of 23, I took the decision uh, to completely abandon my career as a lawyer and come back in Bangladesi. Um, the reason why I decided was because Bangladesi has gained a lot of uh, negative press coverage uh, in media for many years. And uh, so I decided to come back and to help to change those stereotypes mm -hmm. and to change the reputation of the valley and mm -hmm. also to, uh, to help to improve the situation, economic the situation in Bangladesh and to the change of the stigma of the kids, uh, people and Bangladesh Valley mm -hmm. as well. And can you briefly outline for us perhaps the general perceptions that you're trying to change? and how you're trying to change them. When you search on the uh, internet about Bangladesh Valley, uh, the first thing which comes up is related to terrorism. And again, this was because of the Chechen refugee crisis. We got a lot of uh, media coverage again. And that and was Chechens that coming was, uh, from the, Russia? The Chechens coming from Russia, which mm -hmm. was in uh, 90,000 years. And the Chechen refugees, and they were mostly like uh, women and children and old people. 
uh, but because of this political situation between Russia and the Chechen, the Chechens and Georgia, so we got uh, that reputation saying that uh, the terrorists were coming to Benghazi. So that's how it uh, everything started, gaining that reputation. So this was kind of like disproportionate and sensationalized media uh, coverage, which uh, damaged the reputation of the valley and, uh, and, and his people. Uh, so it was uh, inconceivable that we would ever get any tourists coming to Bangisi because of this reputation. We wanted to change that that perception that because it has been the same narrative going on for many years. So at some point, I realized that I wanted to to change it in a way that I wanted to just tell them the truth mm-hmm. and to bring them here. So. The best way to do that would be bringing people from outside to inside Bangladesh for them to see by themselves the real situation in the valley. Mm-hmm. So that would be uh, the best way to, to show it and uh, to demonstrate. And describe for us the real situation in the valley through your eyes. This is a very peaceful place and welcoming people. And uh, so this is uh, kind of like uh, very close community and very friendly to, to the guests. And not only because this is even in our tradition, it's very important uh, tradition, being, um, having a guest, it's, it's kind of like a gift yeah. uh, from the God. Uh, so uh, that's why it's uh, it has a, like, uh, the Bangladesh has a great potential and uh, has beautiful nature and different culture, mm. uh, like unique uh, traditions and so it has uh, all potential to promote tourism because we didn't tell uh, from the first years I didn't think that uh, because I just wanted the main idea was to change that perception mm. by bringing tourists by bringing people here as well as uh, it has a great potential of tourism development as well. Certainly from my experiences and I've only been here two days staying at your guest house but the welcome you have given us has been just incredible because we turned up with about half an hour's notice and you said right that's no problem we'll prepare the bedroom we'll cook some food at the last minute and the food has just been incredible the kind of pumpkin hachapuri the incredible kind of bean soup the lentil soup the pancakes in the morning it's been just delightful. And as you say about the, the nature in the valley, you know, there's mountains on either side, which right now are snow covered. There are horses running down by the river. It's one of the places I felt closest to nature for quite some time on, on the cycle ride. And one of the things that I was quite amused by, and it seems like that the whole community here in Pankisi is amused, is you're talking about the very low c- crime rate. And at some point, a police station was set up here. And you were telling me that everyone found that quite funny. Why did everyone find that quite funny? <laughs> uh, because uh, we did not have any crime here. So the people, they did not really understand. And they were thinking, why do we need police here? Because we don't have any crime. So they will have nothing to do here mm. other than just driving around in the valley. Uh, so uh, that's why we don't even lock the doors because, uh, you, you know, we live like uh, one big family. Mm. Even though we are different, everyone knows each other. And because it is a small community, mm. but still, uh, it's kind of like uh, one big family. And you, the, the whole community came from about 200 years ago, right? They came from the northern part of the Caucasus and settled here. What was the story behind that? We came from Chechnya, and mm-hmm. we are, I think Chechnya is the first person who came from Chechnya who was from the village called Kist. Mm-hmm. That's why we have the name by Georgians. Uh, they were saying that the Kists are coming to Georgia. That's why we got mm-hmm. the name Kists. 
Um, and the reason uh, it was kind of agreement between the Georgian government as well as our people because they said that uh, they would give us land uh, in Bangesi uh, if uh, we protect from invaders because mm -hmm. Georgia has a lot of invaders at that time. So this was a very good uh, offer for our people because we used to live in very high steep mountains. Mm -hmm. And so they felt that, yeah, sure, it's not a problem for us to protect from invaders and, and so to, to live in this beautiful place. Yeah, and it, well, it, it is just stunning. Um, <laughs> I was wondering, you know, back at the beginning of the time in 2012 when you set up the guest house, you were the only guest house in the valley. There were no tourists coming. How, how difficult was that? Because that's one of the things I'm always interested by when I meet people who have kind of done the impossible. It's a situation where you'd think, right, Pankey's Valley is never going to be a tourist destination because there's too much prejudice against it. How did you deal with that challenge and how did you bring it to where it is now? Because I passed multiple guest houses on the way when I was driving through. There's horse riding, there's mountain biking. So how did you get to this point? Because I know you've been a really key driver of making this possible. Uh, so this was uh, very challenging from the beginning uh, back in when I started in uh, 2012 and because I did not have any experience in, in tourism because of my background as a lawyer. Uh, so that's why I decided to travel to different uh, regions of Georgia and to learn how they are promoting tourism in different uh, regions and to take examples and daily experience mm. into this region. And, and also to learn what can I offer something, so to offer something different to so the, uh, the tourists that they would be interested in. And uh, the first thing what I did was I uh, created the website, which was the, the only website at that time providing the information about Bank AC, its mm -hmm. history. So there was not a website only for, for the guest house and for the services, mm -hmm. but also for, uh, for the history and for... Uh, like the traditions, it was giving the information about uh, everything uh, right. about Kiss people and, we'll, and, and uh, Bangkesi Valley. And we'll put that website in the show notes so anyone listening you can find the website there. This became the only source of information about Bangkesi Valley along with uh, those articles written about Bangkesi. And, uh, and also I started to communicate with different uh, information centers and also National Tourist Administration. So I was uh, going to visiting those information centers in different regions mm -hmm. and handing out uh, like uh, materials, uh, uh, booklets, and also talking to tourist agencies mm -hmm. like for operators and explaining to them that uh, we are trying to promote tourism in the valley. So we and asking them to mm -hmm. organize their tours and bring people here. But to be honest, uh, I yeah, there was a, some of them. They were shocked uh, and finding out that I was coming from Bangladesh and I was telling them that there is a guest house because they could not believe it. Why uh, couldn't they believe it? Uh, because of the reputation, they they said that how is it even possible to you? So it was uh, for them it, taking the risk bringing mm. people here in the valley because of, of the reputation. Yeah. And they could not believe that uh, there was a guest house and uh, there was a lot of tourism working. Mm. And uh, so uh, some of them, that even from National Tourist Administration in the back in when I started, so I had a zero response from them. So I started, I, I carried on like chasing mm. them and making them uh, like believe, yeah, mm. we have uh, and this we have a guest house. The the so, yeah, there is a guest house. And <laughs> we have more and more people coming and interested. So mm. first year when I created the website mm. and put the information in different information centers, 
um, we had uh, 65 tourists okay. first year. So this was from zero to having 65 mm -hmm. tourists. It's very mm -hmm. good results. Uh, yeah. So that's why it gave me more, you know, hope. Mm. And so uh, I was thinking we could to improve every year mm. by uh, adding different services uh, because uh, just and also I realized that uh, I could not do it on my own. I needed other women around yeah. me and other guest houses that they should be offering the same as well. That's what I found really interesting that you were saying uh, when we were talking yesterday that you buying some horses so that you could offer horse riding. And after a while, you realized that actually you couldn't have the guest house and the horses and everything else and actually distributing the opportunities amongst the community which seems to be part of the success of this kind of community-based tourism here in the Pankisi Valley that many different people are involved and rather than you creating a monopoly which you seem more than capable of doing you're incredibly highly accomplished you've actually chosen to share the benefits and the opportunities that come from tourism. Actually, this was the main idea for me to benefit the whole community. So yeah. I did not uh, look at it as a business perspective yeah. or uh, because of what I earned for years, I reinvested in different services. Yeah. Um, and I also wanted for them, for example, there was no guest house in Bishgani. So I started talking to other women from Bishgani yeah. saying, why don't open the guest house? Oh. And the same was in Duisi, Omalo, Dumasdoy, other yeah. villages. That's why, so I felt that we need to create a, you know, like, kind of organization like association mm -hmm. to bring all of them together mm -hmm. those people who are involved in tourism mm -hmm. and somehow like uh, producing cheese and we wanted to encourage them to produce mm -hmm. and give training and give provide information about uh, tourism like uh, services so that's how we start working together in partnership mm -hmm. with everyone for them to feel proud uh, within themselves that they are like part of the positive change in Bangladesh. And one thing that strikes me as you're talking there, you're talking about reaching out to other women in the community. This seems to be very much a woman-led initiative. Can you tell me more about that? Actually, women in Bangladesh, they are very active and uh, very strong and supported by men, I would say, uh, because... Uh, you know, we welcome men as well in our <laughs> association. It's not just women. <laughs> it's not just women. <laughs> yeah, so I could women. join, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. And uh, so women, mostly women are the ones who want to, who are very actively involved, especially in tourism. And uh, they also feel free to come to me mm. and ask for help and for, for advice. And mm. somehow it uh, turned out that there are mostly women <laughs> involved in tourism. Mm. I guess one of the things that has struck me most is that although the population in the Pankisi Valley is about halved in the last 20 years or so, yesterday I visited the Roddy Scott Foundation, which is an English teaching school, and spoke to a lot of the kids, and almost all of them said that they, even if they work in America or in Europe for a year or two, they want to return to the Pankisi Valley. To me, that seems like one of the real markers of success that the young generation here in Pankisi see this as a place with a future. What does that mean to you in terms of the success of the project so far? The situation uh, before, like 10 years ago, was completely different because most of the young people, they would see their future either in different countries or in Tbilisi or outside of Pankisi because they did not see any potential. They could not see any like opportunities in the valley. 
So most of the time, those successful students at uh, public school, they always wanted to go somewhere else mm-hmm. because for them, it was not, uh, there was not any opportunity. That was uh, my aim as well. Uh, mm-hmm. The first year, I went to the schools, uh, kind of like doing the research among mm-hmm. young people. So what they wanted to do in future, what was their aspirations or what was that uh, they were mm-hmm. dreaming for. And uh, most of them, because of lacking of opportunities and uh, perspective, they decided that, that, yeah, all of them, they were saying that they want to become doctors or economists or lawyers, and they go abroad and even go back to Chechnya, and some of them go to Tbilisi and find a job there. So when I checked the same situation when I went to the schools just three years ago, and I found out that it has changed radically. Oh, really? Uh, okay. most of them, they said that we want our future, and we see our future here in the Valley. So we want to set up the guest house, we want mm-hmm. to offer horse riding, like horse tracks, um, and also we want to work as a study tourism and to come mm-hmm. back in the Valley because we see uh, the potential. And mm-hmm. even uh, like uh, kids, uh, eight, nine years old kids, they are... Um, they feel that they want to <laughs> they want to be involved in the tourism mm. and back in the, and, and stay here locally, mm. which means uh, which is very good uh, like mm. a sign. So I feel so proud, mm. uh, like a parent for the, <laughs> for the kids because uh, and also this this will help uh, a lot. Um, it has created a lot of job opportunities. Mm. Uh, for example, our post guides. Uh, they did not have any job and they could not support their families mm-hmm. and they had to do this like go to different countries and do the seasonal uh, job and come mm-hmm. back and support families that uh, that way but now they are one of the guides uh, he built a house for him so it mm-hmm. could not be even you know and he supports his family with the, with the income mm-hmm. and and also it has created too many jobs those who like hire the horses and also with the mm. guides, cultural tour guides, uh, horse mm. guides, and because we also offer transportation and the drivers, um, like new shops, so small cafes, and it mm. has created just a broad delight in the community. Mm. So you can feel that uh, there is like uh, they see the potential and they, they want to stay here locally. Yeah. It seems that two themes I've really noticed in what you've talked about, which has seemed to have led to the success of this project. One is the research that you've done, first of all, going around different parts of Georgia to see what you could offer differently here. And then also talking to the young people, you know, what will be important for them. And the second ingredient seems to be the involvement of the community from the youngest age to older people, people who have great English skills, the people who don't right now. Now, it seems that you've made a big success of it so far. I know there's still a long way to go. But I was wondering, what kept you going during the difficult times when it felt like you weren't making progress or you had setbacks? What kept you motivated at that point? I think the most important thing is that I felt or I always felt support of the community. So they have been very supportive. Mm-hmm. Some of them, even my family members, they were skeptical about if it would be possible to bring tourists here and mm-hmm. promote tourists uh, in the valley. Uh, but they have been supportive. They mm-hmm. have been supportive of the idea of the new services mm-hmm. and whatever I said. So I felt uh, that's why it made me more like stronger mm-hmm. and wanting to, even though like I had the like challenges or mm-hmm. disadvantages, I was supported by mm-hmm. the community. I think now when I look back, I believe mm-hmm. that uh, we have achieved 
feel like remarkable to you in a very short span of time. I think and a lot of people is, would agree uh, with that. Uh, I would. <laughs> <laughs> and but now I'm AC and uh, like this community now uh, we are on a national and international tourism tourism map which is very important. That's that's a huge achievement and it what you're saying is what helped you is you had the support of the community but I think they were also recognizing that what you were doing supports them. So it's a symbiotic relationship it's a win-win. Um for anyone who has been listening to these last 20 minutes of conversation and is sort of tempted by the Pankeesi Valley and coming to Georgia but is still wavering, what would you say to sway the doubters to book their flights as soon as they reopen and come and visit you here in the Pankeesi Valley? What's the final 30-second elevator pitch, if you can? If they want to experience something unique, mm. they should come and discover Pankeesi Valley and listen to those uh, like uh, stereotypes and don't believe and if you want to discover a completely different uh, culture and unique culture and the people in Georgia mm-hmm. uh, so then they should come and visit Bandesi Valley. Nezi thank you so much for talking to me it's been a really interesting <laughs> and thank you for hosting us so wonderfully and with so much warmth. <laughs> You're welcome it's been thank my pleasure you. having you here. And that was this week's episode. I really hope that you enjoyed it, and thanks so much for listening. We put a lot of time into the podcast, so please do support us by subscribing, reviewing, and rating. And please send in your questions that you have about any aspect of life on the road to Bristol to Beijing on social media. Until next week, goodbye.